Um, so I just love the, that last line of that song, how it says, be still and know I am. Uh, I think it's perfect for what we're going to be talking about today um, because uh, we're talking about how pretty much there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. The only thing that can save us is Jesus. And we're going to be looking at how um, in life, sometimes we think we have to do these certain things. We have this checklist um, of our good things we think we have to do for God to save us. And the only thing in the end is for us to just, at the end of the day, be still and that and know God is, I am. And so I wanted to start off with this story of mine. Uh, I'm not too proud of it, per se. It was a middle school story. Uh, so middle school boys in anything, you know, it's, it's always interesting. Uh, but there was a time when I was at a birthday party with a, a few friends, and uh, it was a sleepover, and there is probably like five of us. And during this time, you know, boys go through different phases. And, and this phase in, in general, we thought it was hilarious prank calling people. And so we decided that night that we were going to prank call different restaurants. And I don't know why we decided that. Different restaurants and different stores in town. Well, it was like 2 a.m. And so no store is open at 2 a.m. So we had to call people, like call businesses in Hawaii. So, yeah, we, we really wanted to do this, so we, we called to Hawaii. And, like, I remember I, I said, like, I was some type of businessman, um, even though I had, like, a super squeaky voice, uh, said I was some type of businessman, that I was going to be traveling through town, and uh, wanted to see if I could order my food, which that's not really a prank call, a good prank call. Um, another kid uh, called Subway and asked if they did $10 two-foot-longs, um, another kid called Walmart and talked to, like, the uh, kind of armory section and said he was interested in buying a cannon. So, I mean, just stupid middle school boys being stupid middle school boys. Um, but I remember about a week after that, we went, my mom and, and I, we went to Papa Murphy's. Uh, has anybody been to Papa Murphy's before? Some of us? Yeah? It's kind of like... I, I call it kind of a pizza subway, how you can get a pizza and they put on uh, the toppings you want and then you kind of take it home and bake it. But when we were in the store, um, somebody had called and this guy, he had to go to the back. There's nobody else working. And I was like, man, I don't know what it was, but something in me said, man, this would be terrible if somebody prank called this guy right now. And I was like, oh, we just did that. <laughs> And I think that's the perfect representation of, of how our relationship with God can be. God doesn't want us to prank him. He wants us to be with him. And in our series, Back to the Start, we're looking at a group of people in the book of Amos who are living fake. Essentially, they're living right one day a week, but not how they were supposed to the other six days. And we're going to be looking at this group of people and see how God's just fed up with their acts. He's just tired of it. 
So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Amos chapter 5, verse 21. All right, so it says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your hearts. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. So some of that's pretty powerful words, right? And I want to read from the message version because I think it makes it even clearer um, what, what God's kind of talking about in this section of Amos. He says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want um, nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. So these people were living fake. And just as these people were being fake, sometimes we can be fake too. And, and at the end of the day, all Jesus wants is for us to live authentically. To live as the people that he's calling us to be. And there's a book out there um, that I've been reading recently, and it's been a game changer in my life. It's called Jesus is Greater Than Religion. And it's by a guy named Jefferson uh, Bethke. And, and his whole entire thing is, is talking about how, how there's nothing that we can do to earn our way in heaven, uh, to earn our way to be accepted by God. Because um, that, that's why God sent Jesus down to the earth to save us. So he's talking about how, how we can sometimes get confused in that um, and that we think our acts, when we, when we fail to God, we think there's these things that we have to do so that we can um, be able to be saved. And at the end of the day, Jesus says you are saved. And I don't know about you, but in my life, whenever I choose to sin and whenever I fail, there's a voice in the back of my head that tells me, you're not good enough. You're awful. Do you really call yourself a follower of Jesus for doing what you just did? And sometimes I let that become my identity. And it just tears me down. Drags me down. And I forget that what Jesus did on the cross took care of that. And I can say, you know what? I'm not good enough. Thank you for telling me. But that's why I follow Jesus. Because he makes me who I am. He helps me and brings me through what I'm going through. And I want to read this passage in Isaiah because I think it drives the point further. Isaiah 64, verses 5 through 7. It says, You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways. But you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin when we display our righteous deeds. They are nothing but filthy rags. 
Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. And the big part in that is, is I think that sometimes we think our righteous acts get us to where we need to be. And, and, and Isaiah is saying like our, our righteous acts to God sometimes are more like filthy rags. They're dirty because sometimes when we, we do these things, we don't do it out of a heart for Jesus. We do it because we think we need to do it. And, and in verse 7 um, in Isaiah, he's talking about how, how the people didn't even cry out to mercy for God. They, didn't, they, they weren't asking God for forgiveness. And the purpose of this message is to help all of us to go back to the start and begin living as the followers of Jesus um, he's called us to be and to stop being fake. To admit we can't do it alone. And so how do we stop being fake? And the first part of this is to be who God created you to be. Be who Jesus created you to be. So good question, who are you? I know for me, I'm kind of in this confusing stage where I think I'm still a middle school boy and my immaturity kicks in all the time where I think poop jokes are funny and that it's funny to fart. Uh, But then (laughs) at the end of the month, I have all these bills to pay. So it's like a clash between middle school and adulthood that I haven't fully gotten through yet. (laughs) But God has uniquely created us. And if you look in the room, there's no one like you. God's created us all different. You might have some similarities with your parents, or even if you're a twin, you know, you might look the same, but there are some differences in you. That's because God's created us all uniquely. He's created us all specifically for a purpose in his kingdom. And sometimes we believe that lie that we're not good enough and that we have to be people that we're not. And sometimes we think that God, he, he can't do these different things through me. Does he know the things that I've done? Is sometimes what we think. Does he know the sins I've committed in my life? And I think there's someone in the Bible that specifically shows the transformation that you can make. Does anybody know Paul in the Bible? Probably most of us. He wrote like the whole, pretty much the whole New Testament. Not really, but he wrote like 13 of the books of the New Testament. And, and when you read the book of Acts, um, you see that he actually persecuted Christians. And uh, in um, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says that Saul was at the scene of when Stephen was killed in the Bible, who was a Christian leader, and it says that Saul agreed with that. And the interesting thing was, when Acts was written, it was written after Paul had already written 12, uh, 10 of his letters. So when, when you, you see that in the Bible, it's like saying, this guy who's still alive, who's planting all these churches around the world, and planning uh, or writing all these letters to different churches to be transformed uh, by God, he, at one time, was a big persecutor of Christians. And somebody would read that and see that, 
and be able to see this guy who is a murderer has completely transformed his life to actually being a leader in the church. And specifically, the leader of the church of those people that he actually had been killing to make it further. And, and here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, he talks about um, how he wasn't good enough, pretty much. And he says, For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. And God pours his special favor on us, too. You're not good enough, I'm not good enough, and Paul wasn't good enough. And that's why Jesus came. And I think this quote from Bob Goff is a really um, good quote for us to see how much Jesus really cares specifically um, for you. And, And he says this in his book, Everybody Always. God has never looked you in your mirror or mine and wished he saw someone else. The people in Amos were being pretenders, acting like they followed this guy, acting like they followed Jesus. And Jesus, all he wants is us as we are. He says, you know, I love this quote from Bob um, because it, it speaks, at least for me, to, to the, how much he personally loves each one of us. That he looks in a mirror and he doesn't want to see When he looks at you, he doesn't want to see someone else. He wants to see specifically you. He wants us to be the people he created us to be. And I already read a couple verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that speak to this. Uh, The first is chapter 5, verse 17. It says that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And the next one is verse 21 in the same chapter. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And my encourager is, through this point, is come to Jesus. Let him know you're in need of a Savior. Let him know you need him to be the leader of your life. And when we do that, we can begin experiencing the specific purpose he's created us all specifically for. And that's my second point, is serve Jesus for Jesus and not yourself. Jesus wants us to serve to show his glory and his love. And we don't serve uh, specifically for our gain. It's okay for us, you know, to feel good when we do these things for Jesus. But at the end of the day, Jesus wants us to do them so that his love is shown further. And uh, it's important for us to not flaunt what we're doing, but it's important for us to, to, to flaunt the reason why we're doing it. To show the reason why we're doing it is so that Jesus' love and his glory can be shown to others. I want to read this verse, this set of verses in Matthew, and what Jesus says specifically about this. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. 
blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. That's an interesting passage, right? Uh, We love getting attention. We love being uh, recognized for the things we do. Um, But when we serve for our own self-gain, we stray away from the purpose of, of why we're serving. We're straying away from the one who saved us. And the motive behind this, this scripture and the motive behind why we should serve for Jesus and not ourselves is that our entire lives should be showing and reflecting the love of Jesus. How we act on Sunday should reflect the rest of our week. How we, how we worship on Sunday should be how we're worshiping Monday through Saturday. Even through the thickness, even through our failures, even through our mess-ups, keep praising Jesus and thanking him that he came to the earth to save us, to save you specifically. And I want to talk about, has anybody ever heard of the 1943 copper alloy penny? Anybody? So back in the the 1940s when World War II was happening, they needed to um, use some different metals, and part of the metals that were being used for the penny Um, they needed for the war efforts. So they started using, you may have heard of the steel pennies during that time, they started using steel, I think nickel, to make the pennies. uh, But when they made the shift over um, with the pennies, there were still some copper alloy blanks left um, in the press that they were using to make the pennies. So there's about, I think last I saw, there's 40 Um, total copper alloy pennies that people know about. And the interesting thing is, if you were to run across a penny and not know that at all, you'd think it's just a penny. And you wouldn't realize that the value of that penny, you could, if you had a 1943 penny, you could have an $85,000 penny. Which is insane, right? (laughs) And the way you find out is because um, the, the normal penny then was a, a steel and nickel penny. If you take a magnet to it, it'll stick. If it doesn't stick, then you have a chance to have an $85,000 penny, which would be awesome. But in a similar way, Jesus doesn't want us to be a normal penny. He doesn't want us to, to be that value of one cent. See, I think Jesus sees all of us as that $85,000 penny. He sees value in you. And he wants you to use your full value. He doesn't want you to use $35,000 worth of it. He wants to use the full $85,000. He wants to use all of you. He wants you to do the specific things that he set out for you. He's given us all a set of passions. He's given us all a set of gifts that we can use for his glory. And he wants us to use that so that we can show others the incredible love that he has for this world. And one way that we do this is uh, by by helping others when they struggle and when they fail. How many of you have been skydiving before? Anybody in here? 
All right, nobody. This should be interesting then. <laughs> so I've never been skydiving before, but um, in his book, Everybody Always, uh, Bob Goff talks about skydiving. And something I never knew um, is if your chute doesn't come up, um, you, you obviously only have one chance for that not to happen. Um, but the interesting thing is when you hit the ground, you actually don't die instantly. Um, when you hit the first time, all your bones break and shatters, and then the second time you land, uh, all your bones puncture your organs and everything. So yeah, that's an interesting uh, story about skydiving. But uh, <laughs> the reason I told that is he, he talks about this quote. Um, he has this quote in here about skydiving, and he says, if we want to be like Jesus, here's our simple and courageous job. Catch people on the bounce. When they mess up, reach out to them with love and acceptance the way Jesus did. He wants us to catch people on the bounce. Jesus spent his entire ministry catching people on the bounce. We look at, you know, the woman at the well. She was someone who, who had been divorced like five times and with, was sleeping with the man currently that she was with. And, and Jesus transforms her life forever. And she goes on and tells a group of people about who Jesus is. He transforms uh, this woman who had committed adultery and, and saves her from, from death that these people wanted to, um, to do to her. And he says that if you have no sin, then you can cast the first stone. And he could have casted a stone if he wanted, but he chooses not to. Instead, he chooses to forgive the woman for her sins and sends her on her way. And then with Zacchaeus, this guy who was, you know, a tax collector and, and not liked at all, who, who was selfish in his own wealth, God comes to him and transforms his life actually pursues this guy that nobody else would pursue and transforms his entire life. Jesus spent his entire ministry, even with the disciples, catching them on the bounce. And he wants us to do that too. Whenever we, whatever we go through, there's going to be people that are going to bounce a lot. And Jesus wants us to be there to love them, to love them through their pain to love them through their excitements even, to love them through their praises. He wants us to love others the way that he loved. And what if we served others the way that Jesus did? I think our town, Connorsville, would see some extreme transformation. If we take the focus off the reasoning why we serve off of us and put it all on Jesus, then those we serve are completely overwhelmed by him. They forget about the group specifically who's doing it, and they see that Jesus is doing it through this group. And when I try to do something for my own gain, God always reminds me it's not about me. And he always... Uh, tells me these words that John the Baptist said in uh, John 30, 3, verse 30. He says, he must increase and I must decrease. John's talking about how he has to decrease 
and who he is so that Jesus can increase. He's saying, it's not about me, it's all about Jesus. And in my life, I have to remind myself of that. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus, always is, always will be. And what would happen if we, we really applied this, and if we truly turned all the focus of the incentive of doing God's work on Jesus? I personally think that people would see Jesus and they would see the person of Jesus and know they need him in their lives. We've all been saved by the love of Jesus. And all you have to do is let him know you're in need of a savior and admit you can't do it alone. And the best thing you can do to honor Jesus for saving you is to love others the way he continually loves you. And I want to spend time a little bit talking just from, from my own life. Um, I had a guy who spent a number of years mentoring me. He was actually here at my ordination a couple weeks ago. Um, I went to, went to church and uh, met this guy named, named Jacob. And I, had no, I, I thought he was pretty cool. He uh, you know, did all the games we did in youth group. And he was a pretty, pretty cool guy. But I had no idea um, what he was going to be doing um, in my life. And he spent, you know, years even before me mentoring to these people, to, to students. Um, even my brother, one of my brothers, he was even in this guy's small group growing up. And, and then I was in his small group growing up. And he spent day after day answering questions that I had about God, doubts that I had, struggles that I had, being there every moment telling me about Jesus. Even to this day, he still calls me regularly to check up on me. He still makes sure that I know who it's about. And if I'm honest, Whenever I see Jacob, I don't always see Jacob, but I see Jesus. Because he really, he really applies that. And, and it, he knows that it's not about him, but he knows it's about Jesus. And there's so many other people that, that I know who, who feel the same way about this guy. Because he means so much. And he's, he's this guy who just really, really wants to see Jesus known. He purposely spends time with people who don't even believe in Jesus because he wants them to know the love of Jesus. He just loves them. I think for us, when, when we, you know, take off the reasoning of this, I'm doing this so that I can be saved, and, and we, we just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm here for you. I love you, and I know that there's nothing I can do to save myself. I'm in need of a savior. I know you're fed up with my acts of me thinking that I have it all together because I don't. He wants us to get rid of that. He wants us just as we are. He wants us to be the people he's created us to be. And he wants us to live that unique purpose out. He wants us to love others, not for ourselves, but he wants us to love others for him. 
so that they can experience transformation and they can experience the love of Jesus. And then they can tell their friends and their families about the love of Jesus too. And as the worship team comes up, I want to end reading this passage that I think really shows the transformation that we all make when we come to know Jesus. He says, Paul says in Romans chapter 3, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. And all we have to do is believe in Jesus. What we need to do is come to Jesus and drop everything else that we have and just say, Jesus, I need you. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you that we get to come and just worship you, and not just to try and save ourselves, but just to worship you for for all the amazing things you've done for us. And I pray, Jesus, that we experience transformation today and that we follow um, just the unique plans that you've created us all for, that we know it's not all about us, but that it's all about you. In your name we pray. Amen.